This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Well, hey there, friends. Chris Brooks here. I want to welcome you to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. Can you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Well, have you gotten your Christmas shopping done or are you like me? If you're like me, just know that that means that God is merciful and gracious to you. And you can still, even if you're late, uh, get some Christmas shopping done. Friends, I hope you're doing well today. I hope you're having a great day in Jesus. Oh, most importantly, you've received the greatest gift ever offered to humanity, and that is the hope and the joy that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Today, we're going to look at the Word of God, but I want to start by saying thank you. It's been an incredible year. It is hard to believe that this year is quickly evaporating. There's only a few short moments left, but what an amazing year it's been. You know, you think about all that we've been through uh, this year. There was the midterm elections. There were all of the challenges that came along uh, with the Ukrainian war, the Uh, hurricanes, the uh, disasters that happened all around us. But, you know, through it all, through all of uh, the uh, pits and falls of this year, God kept us. God was merciful. And I love the fact that we never missed a day of broadcasting, that every day you could count on uh, us being behind this microphone here, me being with you to remind you of the hope we have in Jesus. And I pray that we've added value to your life, that something that's been said by myself or one of our guests has spurred you on in Christ. Hopefully you felt better equipped to stand up for the truth, even when culture feels like uh, it's going the opposite direction of what the Bible commands. Hopefully you've been emboldened in your witness and energized to proclaim to friends and family members that there is hope, there is salvation in Jesus and in him alone. Hopefully you've been uh, readied and steadied to defend your faith as well as uh, challenges have come from critics of the Christian faith. But through it all, it's been my joy to be with you. And I look forward to what will be a great 2023. That may even feel weird to say or to hear 2023, but it is right around the corner. And if we're going to have a great year, and I believe we will, I'm asking for your partnership. I'm asking for you to help us to finish this year strong. So maybe, just maybe, you've been listening and you've never supported or you have and you love to do it again. Can I give you the number to call to partner with us, to stand with us with a generous year-end tax-deductible gift or maybe even to become a monthly partner? The phone number is 888-644-4144. It's 888-644-4144. You can always find out more information at our website as well, equipradio.org. Well, today I want to do something that I love to do, and that is to look at the Word of God, to open up our Bibles and to dive deeply into the beauty of Scripture. Today we're going to look at one of the 
uh, Gospels, Matthew chapter 2. You're going to find the Christmas story there. We're going to look at verses 1 through 13. And in particular, I want to talk about these wise men. You know, so much is made of these wise men. We don't know much about them, but what we do know should transform our hearts and help us to see God's love for the world in the coming of Jesus. So why don't you grab your Bibles? Matthew chapter 2 is where we're going to go. We're going to talk about how wise men still seek Jesus. I believe you're going to be blessed. How many are excited that Christmas Eve is here? How many thank God for that? Um, My youngest son this morning woke up pretty early And I heard him as he ran down the hall from his room to mine. I was sound asleep, but that wasn't for long. And uh, he came bursting through the door. Daddy, daddy, it's Christmas Eve. I thought I'd overslept and that it was Christmas. Uh, But he was excited because it was Christmas Eve. And we should be excited about this season. This is a glorious season, and I want you to be able to experience the reason why there is so much joy in the house. It's because the tomb is empty. It's because he is risen. It's because Christ has come. How many thank God that God is not only a promise maker, he's a promise keeper, and he has kept his word. Amen? Our Messiah has come. We're going to look into God's word in just a moment. But before we do, I just have a special word from the Lord for all the men that are here. I typically don't do this, but this morning I woke up and I felt the Lord just impressing upon my heart to share a specific word uh, to, uh, to encourage the men that are here. And so here's the word of the Lord for the men in the room today. Walgreens is open until midnight. That's what the Lord... I felt encouraged me to share with you. I don't know who needs it, uh, but you might need to use that. Walgreens is open until midnight. No, today we're going to look at the way various people respond to Christmas. You know, one of the things that we all love is Christmas movies. Some of the best movies have been released during Christmas time. And one of the reasons why we love these movies is because we can identify with the characters, maybe even seeing them in your own family. For example, how many have at least one Scrooge in your family? How many have at least one Scrooge in your family? Now, if you are the Scrooge, you'll know it because everybody's looking at you, right? right now. The fact is, not everybody's excited about Christmas. Some are, uh, are frustrated already about the long lines while the music, and can we get all of these dinner parties over? Listen, I get the emotion about it. Then others are like Will Ferrell from The Elf. How many have seen that movie? Right? You like everything from the hot chocolate to the eggnog to the decorations and the music. You love everything about Christmas. And then there are those who are just indifferent about the whole thing. But that's not new with our generation. As a matter of fact, what we're going to see today as we journey through Matthew chapter 2 is that there were various responses during the first Christmas. But the real question that we need to ask ourselves is how should we respond to the coming of the Son of God into the world And how should we live in light of the fact that our Savior has come? Look with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2. I'm going to look at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, and what we're going to see today is that wise men worship Jesus. That's the theme for this entire day, that Jesus, if 
is, if he is the Messiah, is worthy of worship. It was C.S. Lewis who said this, that if Christ has come and if he has died and if he has truly risen, then it is of infinite importance. If he has not done those things, then his birth is of no importance. But what it cannot be is moderately important. We have to make a decision today. Is he Lord? And if he is, then he should be praised. As we look at the first response, we encounter the religious leaders of Jesus' day, the chief priests and the scribes. Look at me, look with me rather, uh, verse number one of chapter two. And it says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who, who will shepherd my people, Israel. You know, one of the reasons why we read from this book of the Bi- called the Bible is because it has the earmarks of divinity. What I mean by that is that this is no ordinary book. This is not just a book from antiquity or another book of literature. This is God's word. How do we know? Well, there's many ways that we can measure that, but one of the ways that we do is through prophecy. You see, over and again, the Bible predicts and it comes to pass. It is estimated that Jesus fulfilled over 40 prophecies just at his birth alone. And we see one of the more precise ones, one of the more obscure ones quoted right here in verse number six, where he would be born. He was to be born in a town called Bethlehem. This was quoted by Micah, the prophet, in Micah chapter five, verse number two. Now, if we were to live during Jesus's day when this was, uh, when this was fulfilled, we wouldn't think much of Bethlehem. Bethlehem was not some important city. It wasn't a port city full of merchants. It wasn't the place where kings and rulers would come in summer and have their vacation time. No, it was a little podunk town that was easy to overlook. But the prophet said that God had chosen Bethlehem to be the place that the Messiah would come from. Isn't it amazing how precise God's word is? That tells me that the scriptures are not obsolete. They are both timeless and timely, and we do well to take heed to every single word that is written here in Scripture. Praise God for his word. I hope you love Scripture. You know, I took a class once at Harvard, and uh, I was invited to do a guest visiting a program there, and I was there for about four weeks, and one of the classes that I took was on uh, English literature, and this professor stood before us, and she talked about the beauty of the Bible, and as she talked about the beauty of the Bible so much, she said, I resonated with, but it also became clear that she saw the Bible as beautiful literature, but she didn't see the Bible as true, and that was heartbreaking because the greatest thing about Scripture is not only in the way that it's written, and yes, it is written in a beautiful way, but the greatest thing about Scripture is that it is true. 
historically true, archaeologically uh, true. It is true factually, but it is also true spiritually. The Word of God is true. So the question I have for you is, have you believed upon it? Have you believed upon every word that is written in Scripture? And if you have, it will transform your life. The Bible is basic instruction before leaving earth, as someone once said. It is wisdom from on high. It is the very word of the living God. And one of the ways we know that is because over and again, it predicts and fulfills. It prophesies and then brings it to pass. And that's what we see in the Christmas story. That's what the wise men were after. They were after this star. Why were they after this star? Because even as ancient astrologers, God's spirit broke through and showed them that there was a promise that was coming to pass in a little town in Israel. And what was the promise? That the Messiah was being born. That the one who would be hailed as king of the Jews, the one whose love and grace would touch the nations as he drew them from the east was being born. I hope you see the promise of Christmas. I hope you see that wise men still seek Jesus. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to dive right back into the word of God. If we've been a blessing to you this year, maybe even in previous years, and you love to see us on the air for the future, can you partner with us with a generous year-end tax-deductible gift, dial the number 888-644-4144. Whatever you do, don't go anywhere. There's so much more to come. Next up on Equip with Chris Brooks. Hey there, friends. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Man, I love diving into scripture with you, in particular, In this season, as we look at the promise of Jesus and all that it represents for not only peace for the world, but peace in our own hearts, each one of us knows what it's like to live with anxiety. Every study that I'm reading says anxiety is on the rise in our generation. And so where do you find peace? We're going to talk about that today as we dive deeper into Matthew's gospel and uh, the study of these wise men that sought this Messiah who was being born. And you may ask yourself, how did they know? They weren't Israelites. They weren't Jews. It really is a testimony of God's promise that this Messiah, though he was going to be born through the line of the Jews, was coming to save the world from its sins. Jesus coming into the world is the fulfillment of a promise to the nations that is talked about throughout the Old Testament. Uh, We are told in Psalms 2 that the nations would be the inheritance given to this Messiah who was to come. And so praise God that Jesus fulfills that, and he brings with him peace for us. I want you to find peace. Let's go back into the message. I believe we're going to see it in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2. Wise men still seek Jesus. What do we see here in Matthew's gospel? Well, we see a king. His name is Herod, and he's a little bit troubled, the scripture says, in verse number three. 
And why is he troubled? Well, he's troubled because there is an entourage coming for Jerusalem. And who is this entourage coming to Jerusalem? It is these wise men. We'll get back to them in a moment. It was far more than three, or all of Israel wouldn't have been sitting on the edge of their seats. But all of Israel was nervous because this whole battalion was coming. And why were they coming? Because they, were, they wanted to worship the Messiah, the one who had been prophesied that he was to come. Herod, in a scramble, trying to figure out what was going on, called together a group. And I want you to notice the group that he calls together. Verse number four. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. These are the religious leaders of their day. This, if we were to put it in modern day vernacular, is as if the king says, get all the pastors together and I want you to tell me everything you know about Christmas and about Christ. What's interesting to me is that they weren't ignorant about Christmas or about Christ. It's almost more forgivable when you read the story if they had not known or if they were unaware But even worse than not knowing or being unaware is their apathy. Look with me at verse number five. It says, they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. Notice that they knew, they knew exactly what the prophecy was. They knew exactly where he was to be born, but they were apathetic about it. They weren't moved about it. They weren't worshiping him. They weren't seeking him. They weren't pursuing him. They knew about him, but they were apathetic about him. For many of us, that describes us today. Many of us find ourselves knowing information about Jesus that hasn't changed our hearts yet. Let me just tell you, just because you have a lot of facts about a person doesn't mean you know that person. And just because we might have a lot of facts about Jesus doesn't mean that we know him. To truly know him is to worship him. How many know that to truly know him means that you have come to realize that he is king of kings, he is lord of lords, and he is the only one worthy of our praise, our worship, and all of the glory. How many believe? Leave that with me. Amen. I love the fact that what the Bible teaches us here is the fact that these uh, uh, religious leaders had all the information they needed presented to them. The real problem was their lack of responsiveness to the information. Many of us have had sermon after sermon, message after message, opportunity after opportunity. Today, I will ask you, how now shall you live in light of the empty tomb? Again, I believe C.S. Lewis is right. If Jesus has not risen from the grave, then all of this is of no importance. But if he has, it is of infinite importance. What it cannot be is moderately important. We cannot be apathetic when it comes to the message of Christmas, the coming of the Son of God into the world. Maybe you've heard the story of the man who was an inmate on death row, and he was uh, just hours away from seeing the end of his life. A minister came to visit him to ask him if he wanted prayer to make sure that his heart was right with God. And he, he said to the minister, no, I can't believe anything that you guys preach or proclaim. The minister was thrown off. He was taken aback. He said, why can't you believe? 
And he says to the minister, because if what you guys say is true, that if you put your faith in Jesus, you'll spend eternity with him in heaven. But if you reject him, then you'll spend eternity in hell. Then what I can't understand is why you're not telling everyone about this news. If it was true, I would be telling my family, my coworkers, my neighbors, and my friends. But most of the Christians I know are telling no one. What an indictment against us. If the gospel is true, then my friends, we need a fire about us. We need a passion that doesn't go out. A passion that exceeds not just uh, in the moment of worship, but a passion that exceeds the four walls of the church that compels us by the love of Christ to go out until all have heard, until Christ returns. These religious leaders had one major problem. They knew too much and they believed too little. We need to begin to believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord. And if Lord of all, then that means that I should live for his glory and his alone. Amen? But that's not the only person we're introduced here, is it? We also meet this king, King Herod. And his response is in apathy. Notice his response is anger. Look at verse number 7. It says, then Herod summoned the wise, men, the, the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search dil- diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Sounds good on the surface, doesn't it? It sounds like Herod is uh, finally having his eyes opened that he's not the only king in Jerusalem, but there is a greater king that has come. This really is a tale of two kings, one an earthly king, the other a heavenly king ruling in heaven and all of, of earth. But Herod was not sincere in his motives as we see in verse number 13. It says, now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise man, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all the region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. This is Herod's real heart. He's revealing his true nature, his hatred for God, his hatred for anyone that was a threat to his own rulership in his life. You know, when you study historians about Herod, what you'll discover is that he was a bloodthirsty, power-hungry ruler who would eliminate anyone who was a threat to his throne. As a matter of fact, Historians reveal to us that he even killed two of his family members who he was threatened by. Can you imagine being that insecure? And why was he so fearful? After all, this was just a baby. 
But I think in his heart of hearts, he knew something deeper. You would not launch out this nationwide initiative, this, this mass genocide, if you will, if you were not convinced that God really was God. It's interesting, recently I was reading a study that was entitled, Why Are Atheists So Mad at God? Think about it. If you don't believe in him, why would you be so mad at him? The fact of the matter is, I think in the recesses of most of our hearts, even those who have rejected Jesus, is the acknowledgement that God really does exist. And there are implications to that, isn't it? There's implications that if there is a moral law giver, that means that there is a moral law. And that means that one day God is going to judge me according to his moral law. And for many, that, that is what they have rejected. They have confused autonomy with freedom. Wanting to be Lord of their own life, they have led themselves into bondage. But my friends, autonomy and freedom are two different things. Freedom leads to flourishing. Autonomy is a law unto itself. And the Bible says this, there is a way that seems right unto you and me, but the end of those ways lead to death. What Jesus offers us in his coming is true freedom. Whom the Son of Man has set free is free indeed. If you're looking for freedom, if you're looking for flourishing, if you're looking for hope and peace, it is only found in him. Friends, I cannot say this enough, that if you're looking for hope, and you're looking for peace, it is found in him. You know, I love this question that is asked of the women when they come to the empty tomb of the angel who was there sitting on top of the rock, almost celebrating the fact that uh, Jesus had, had rose from the dead. He says, why do you look for the living? You will never find life in dead places. You're not going to find life in nightclubs at the end of a bottle. Uh, you're not going to find life in drugs, sex, or all of the things that the world tells you you'll find it in. You're going to find peace. You're going to find hope in the Savior because that's what he came to give. He is the Prince of Peace. And I want to remind you of that today. And he can be your Savior. All you got to do is repent and believe. To turn from your sin, acknowledge it, and to turn to a loving Christ who welcomes you with open arms. And we love to walk alongside of you in that journey. While we go into this break, if today you want Jesus as your Lord and Savior, dial this number, 888-NEED-HIM. That's 888-NEED-HIM. I'll be right back, right after this. The story of Jesus' birth is full of hope, promise, and wonder. But in today's culture, much of the miraculous Christmas story has been watered down or filled with pagan myths. So if you want to know the verifiable facts surrounding Jesus' birth, you'll want a copy of Is Christmas Unbelievable? by apologist Rebecca McLaughlin. Request your copy today when you support Equip with a gift of any amount. Call 888-644-4144 or visit EquipRadio.org. Hey there, friends. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Have you got your Christmas shopping done yet? I know I asked you earlier. It's been an extra 30 minutes. Maybe you've knocked it out. Or maybe you say, Chris, I'm not going to stress about that. 
That's why God made gift cards. <laughs> I will tell you that's not a bad answer. Well, however you approach that topic, I pray that today you won't miss the most important gift of all, the gift that won't be under the Christmas tree, but the gift that's being offered to you by your heavenly Father, the maker of all things. It is the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, who came into the world to rescue us from our sins and to help us to find peace in a fallen world. You know, I was thinking about the headlines recently that I've been looking at. Uh, Suicide, the rise of anxiety, gun violence, uh, mass shootings. The list goes on and on and on. And I don't want to depress you at all. That's not why you tune in, and that's certainly not my goal. I want you to find hope, but that's exactly the point. Where do you find hope? Where do you even find safety in a world that is so broken, so flawed, so fallen? It's a question that's come across my mind many a day and maybe your mind as well. And I think it's okay for us to be honest with God about our big questions. And so I want to answer that question. And one of the ways I want to answer it is through the word of God. Matthew's gospel is what we've been looking at, in particular chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. We've been looking at the the wise men who followed a star that led them to a savior who uh, was the promise of salvation. But in him, in Jesus, what they found, what we can find is peace and safety in a broken and fallen world. Why don't you join me back in the message where I believe you're going to find exactly what your heart is longing for. Wise men still seek Jesus. I remember it was uh, maybe uh, five years ago or so, dropping my daughter off at school, and it was after yet another school shooting, like the one that has recently rocked our community. And I remember asking my daughter, as a father who was nervous, wondering how do I talk about these heavy things with her, I asked her, where do you feel safe? I'll never forget her answer. She says, well, I feel safe at home, at church, and at school. And as a parent, you almost feel like mission accomplished. I mean, who doesn't want to check those boxes, right? Who doesn't want your child to feel safe at home, at church, or at school? And there was a part of me that just wanted her to live in that safe bubble of, in, of innocence. But yet, the reality was I knew too much. I knew too much about Genesis chapter 3, about the fall of humanity, So I looked back at my daughter and I said to her, sweetie, I want you to understand something. There are no safe places in the world. Your home, your church, your school, those buildings in and of themselves don't keep you safe. Brick and mortar is not enough to keep you and I safe. But there is, according to Scripture, a safe person. And that person, when he comes to live in the people that are in your home or in your school or in your church, his peace abides with them, and that's why you sense peace. If you really want to know peace, don't search for a building, search for a person. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, but praise God, he's coming to the world and he says, come unto me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How many thank God that peace is available now and that it is found in Jesus? Well, if we shouldn't be apathetic, if we shouldn't be angry, what should we be? Well, how should we respond 
I think the answer is adoration, and I think it is seen here in the story of these wise men. Oh, that time would permit me to tell all of their story, but look at these verses in verses uh, 9 through 12. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rolled went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. There's much that I can say about these wise men or what some translations refer to as magi. They probably come from the Persian Empire. They would have been religious leaders who studied not just magic but astrology. Certainly, their religious belief would not have aligned with that of Judaism and certainly would not have aligned with ours today concerning Christianity. That's exactly what makes this story so beautiful to me, is that everything about the nativity, everything about the first Christmas is opposite of what we would think. We would think that Jesus came for good people, for people who were prestigious or royal, for pretty people, if you will. But the story of Christmas is the exact opposite. He came for the poor and the lower class, just as Mary and Joseph, who were from Nazareth, the poor city. And you will see that he has come so that all men may know him. Not just those who are up and out, but those who are down and out as well. He's come for common workers, just as the shepherds who are keeping watch over their sheep by night when they saw the angelic choir. And he's come for the religious outcasts as well. Literally, he has come to anyone who will put their faith and trust in him regardless of background. I don't care what your background is. It really doesn't matter. But what I would say to you is this. Don't disqualify yourself from salvation. There is no sin that any of us have ever committed on earth that's greater than what he did on Calvary. How many praise God that in him all sins are forgiven and all men can be saved? The only question is, will you trust him? Because this is what made the Magi right. Not their background, not their upbringing, but what made them right with God is that they bowed their hearts to him and they worshiped him. Today, that's what I want to invite you to do. Maybe as you search your heart today, you know you need a savior. One thing that I know about traversing through this fallen world is that none of us can make it without a savior, but praise God, the rescuer has come. He has come so that we might be saved. Jesus came, but we don't just worship him because he was born a baby. We worship him because he lived a sinless life, died on that cross, and three days later, he rose again. The Bible records it, not as fairy tale, but as fact. And it invites and begs us to investigate because all these things are true. The best thing about everything we've sang today is not the harmony or the vocalist or the instrumentalist. The best thing about all of it is that every single word is true. So the question today is, will you believe? Because if you will, you can have peace. You can have joy today because hope has come. Hope is alive. 
Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. Amen? How many praise him today? Praise God that hope is alive and that Jesus has come. Praise God that we can trust in him today. I hope that you were blessed by this message. Listen, friends, there's so much more to come on Equip. I'm going to be sharing with you in just a moment a song that I believe really speaks to this moment, that aligns itself with this message. That's a huge blessing to my heart. Uh, we Three Kings. Maybe it's a song that's blessed you. I'd love for you to think about that. Occasionally during this time of year, we encourage you to think about not just the harmony, the vocals, the instrumentality of songs, but the theology of songs. And so we're going to delve deep into that. But before we do, I've been saying all program long that if your heart is longing for peace, if it's full of anxiety, the way we can find it is by looking to Jesus. And I just want to reiterate that. That's not just rhetoric. That's just not cliche. That's not me checking a box. That is me sharing with you where I have found peace. Many of you know my testimony, and you know that the last few years in particular have been hard years uh, for me and my family, but they've been hope-filled years And you may say, Chris, that's a contradiction. How can you say both? It's been hard and hope-filled. It's because that's exactly the message of Christmas and the reality of the Bible. The Bible doesn't sugarcoat reality. It doesn't tell us that we don't live in a world full of brokenness and pain. We will experience death and loss and all of the things that cause our souls to wonder, is the world safe? But then the Bible tells us where the answer is. The answer is in Jesus, friends. So why live with an anxiety-filled heart when you can have peace even in the midst of the storm? Dial this number, 888-NEED-HIM. That's 888-NEED-HIM. Let us answer your questions and pray with you as well. Stick and stay. We got something great for you on the other side of this break. Don't go anywhere. Much more to come next up on Equip. On Equip, we tackle the tough issues, and there sure have been many this past year. But we continue to confront them with the relevant biblical truth of the gospel. As we turn to a new year, will you join our Christ-centered approach by becoming an auto-gift monthly partner? Keep Equip on the air in your community and across the nation. Your $30, $50, or $85 a month gift will make a huge difference in this new year. 
Equip yourself and make a difference for Christ and his kingdom at the same time by calling 888-644-4144 or go to equipradio.org. Hey there, my friend. The next Equipper Zoom webinar is coming up on January 12th. This Zoom webinar helps us to know each other better. It's our chance to talk together about crucial concerns in our families, the culture, and the church. You can ask me any question you have, and I'll do my best to answer each one of them. The webinar is one of the perks of being part of our team of equippers, our monthly partners. Now, if you are an equipper, be sure to check your inbox for an email from me with registration details for this free Zoom meeting. If you're not an equipper, why don't you become a monthly partner and join us? Simply call 888-644-4144 and tell them I want to become an equipper or sign up online at equipradio.org. Hey there, friends. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Hey, I want to do something that I believe is going to be a huge blessing for many of you. I want to play a song that I believe uh, not only dovetails really well with our message today, but also has some pretty rich theological content. It was written in 1857 originally by a Mr. John Henry Hopkins Jr. He was a composer. He wrote a Christmas carol for his church, Christ Episcopal Church in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And at the time, he was writing it for a Christmas carol. It was entitled, We Three Kings. Now, it's been reprised over and again in the rendition I want to play for you today. It's actually by a contemporary artist, Kirk Franklin. Uh, but I want you to listen to the words, most importantly, because that is where we're going to find a message, a message of a searching heart that finds its hope in Jesus. And we're going to talk about why that message is so important now. So why don't you enjoy this rendition of We Three Kings. I'm looking for the star right now. I wonder where you are right now. Wait a minute, wait a minute. We three kings of Time to find the land that will save the day. 
the storm. The Let's go. Star, you're so royal. What a beautiful rendition of We Three Kings. You may say, Chris, why did you play that? Well, I believe many of us, if we're not careful, can uh, allow the darkness to eclipse the light of Jesus. And in a metaphoric way, all of us, all of us need a star. We need that guiding light that's going to guide us to the light of the world. Now, the star was not to be worshipped. That's not the focal point. The star is not the hero of the story. The wise men were not the hero of the story. Mary and Joseph were not the heroes of the story. You and I are not the heroes of our own story. Jesus is. We all need to be rescued. We all need a light that shines bright even in dark places. Jesus, my friend, is that light, the light you've been looking for, the light your soul is looking for, the light that the star led those three wise men to is still the light that lightens up our souls even now. And so I want you to find Jesus. I want you to find the hope that is offered in him. That's the purpose and the meaning behind the message and the song today. If today you know you need a savior, why don't you give yourself a gift, the gift that keeps on giving, the gift of a relationship with Jesus Christ? Because after the credit cards are ran up, after the money is spent and the bills have been piled up, the reality is all the other gifts will fade away over time. But yet Jesus continues to bless our lives over and again once we put our faith and trust in him. So do that. Repent, believe, 
trust in Jesus. We love to wrap our arms around you as you take your next step in your journey of faith. Dial this number now, 888-NEED-HIM. That's 888-NEED-HIM. Can't wait till we're together again. Until then, Merry Christmas. Remember, Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.